Hey, I'm Mark Sibilia, and you are watching The Libby O Show. This is my song called Good Times from my new album, Seed of Joy. It feels like the summer In the middle of a winter's day And the winds that were bitterly blowing Have slowed down to set me away I think I'll fill my cup with the pole Welcome to the Libby O Show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's good to see you. It looks like this is your new studio that you've been working on. It is. I don't know how messy it is. I don't know how messy it is behind me, so I'm going to do a quick little scan. It's not too bad. Not too good. It's just kind of, this is my studio. I love it. It looks so good, and it's got that uh, nice exposed shelving there I see in the back. Uh, yeah, all pretty open feeling in here a lot of light i worked in i made my whole last album that's coming out in a couple of weeks i made it all in a basement and that basement i worked in for six years and there was no light 
ceilings were like seven feet tall. I could touch them. It was pretty tough. And uh, so when I designed the studio, I was like, I don't really care how it sounds, although it ended up sounding great. I was like, I just need to have tons of light and tons of height. <laughs> well, it looks great. What's your favorite part about it? Was was there something uh, that, yeah. Uh, my favorite thing, I'm trying to, well, my favorite design, I mean, the guy that designed, it's amazing, but my cousin, who's a really successful metal worker in Chicago and does uh, metal uh, staircase and things all over the world designed this staircase here. Um, he's actually like a second or third cousin or second cousin. Maybe he actually grew up in the same house that I grew up in. My dad, his, my dad bought it from his dad. And I hadn't met him until a couple of years ago. He came to one of my shows. And so when I was designing the studio, I was telling him I have this stair issue and he was like, well, let me, let's work on it together. And so he designed this amazing railing system and the stair. Um, so I love that. And then I just love it. It's such a really big open studio and it's, you know, it's how I like to work and it's, it's really just like a fun place to be. And, you know, I just love it. I'm really, it's amazing. For sure. And especially if you're going to do a lot of recording sessions and, um, you know, of course being at home during this time, you got to have a nice exactly. space and a good aesthetic. Exactly. For sure. Well, you have a brand new album coming out called Seed of Joy. Great name, by the yeah. way. Um, in the next few weeks. And I've listened to a couple songs from it. And I got to say, there's there's some on there that just remind me of things that I've been through in my life over the past couple of years. But then I also loved reading your story and um, just the different, different things that you've experienced and how that's influenced the, the combination, as you say, of optimism and nostalgic uh, mm -hmm. situations and feelings. So... I want to hear uh, what you're most excited about in terms of streaming this album live from City Winery um, during the week of the release and um, what you look forward to being able to have an, audi an audience virtually and in person with with safety measures, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I played these songs. I played I played for the first time in probably about a year uh, a couple of weeks ago for a, like just a private live stream thing that I did. And. I hadn't really played, you know, I mean, it's been about a year since I played just with everything going on. And uh, it was pretty wild to, you know, kind of sing some old songs, sing some new songs, all kind of in the now in this new place where, you know, my dad passed in January and I made this album for him. And um, so it was pretty wild to actually play the songs in front of people and kind of put this emotion and this magic of this thing that I do in the danger of a live setting. Um, and it was a really special feeling more emotional than I would really prefer. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm just kind of going along, going along with it. So, you know, I just, try, honestly, I try not to overthink it too much because it is really an emotional album. It's connected to me. It's connected to my story. It's connected to my dad, you know, who I lost and my daughter who's growing up. And, uh, so, you know, I'm just kind of, I'll get there and see what happens, I guess. Yeah. And I feel like that's what we're all doing. And I think that people are going to really identify with that perspective there of just, um, you know, taking life as it comes, which is easier said than done, of course. Uh, yeah. What was the, so I want to talk about how many times first, uh, since it sure. you know, is directly about your father there, um, pays tribute to him. Can you share more about how he found seeds of joy in his life? and how that's inspired you in your journey? Well, I guess I could just think about, you know, I would just think about, you know, some of the things that, you know, he told me when I was, you know, he, he used to always say, 
he used to always say, uh, you know, this is my first birthday that I had without him. And I remember he, every year he would call me on my birthday and he would always say, uh, you know, 30 or 25 years ago or 30 years, whatever, whatever it was, he goes, it was the best day of my life. <laughs> you know, he was like, I was, I was, uh, riding on my bike, uh, in Canada cause he loved to ride on his bike. And he, um, I guess I, I don't exactly remember how the story happened, even though he told me literally probably 30 times, um, but uh, I guess that's why uh, older people repeat themselves, but because uh, <laughs> damn kids never remember anything. But right. anyways, I know he was riding on his bike and, he, you know, he met my mom at the hospital. And yeah, he said it was like the, one of the greatest days of his life. And so I know that was a big thing for him. And um, yeah, I wrote that song. I was uh, we he had gotten really sick uh, right when his treatment started and we thought he wasn't going to make it. And so. My brother and I both flew up. My brother was there maybe, and he was like, you should come up. And so we both flew up and, you know, I got to the hospital and he was really bad. And anyway, anyways, it ended up being somewhat of a medication thing. Um, and we were able to kind of rehabilitate him with the doctor's help. And we ended up having like these amazing eight months. But I left that trip thinking, you know, because I like wrote him a, 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 a letter that I was going to read to him and, and, uh, it kind of ended up becoming this thing where because the the disease he had was so deadly, you kind of never knew if the last time you said goodbye was going to be the last time you said goodbye. And, you know, it's, you know, people think it's kind of like the movies, but people just die randomly. You know, I think yeah. and we're learning that this year. Um, I learned that last year. And so you got to kind of be prepared for that and embrace everything, you know, that a moment has for you. And fortunately, you know, that didn't end up being the case. It ended up being that, you know, it actually was pretty movie-like, you know, how it actually happened for us. And, uh, but yeah, I kept asking myself, like, how many times, you know, am I going to have to say goodbye? Because it's so difficult every time, you know? Yeah. No, I totally get that. Actually, I thought about there's a close family friend of mine that passed away from cancer about two years ago. She was yeah. in her mid forties and it was a sudden type thing where it came about and I saw her, I saw her once. And then by the time uh, Thanksgiving rolled around, she had passed and it felt so sudden, but it's, it's yeah. one of those things where it's just like, even now I still think of her, you know, at random times and yeah, there's totally. something about that. That's like so comforting to me. And I, so yeah, this, this song is, I guess hits hits me in a certain way that where I, I can sense what you're, what you're. Well, thanks. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, so many of these song ideas and stuff, I mean, I really wasn't writing music, you know, at the time I didn't really have time for it. I, you know, I was, I kind of put my career on hold for the most part. Um, but you know, it's like even that title, I was just kind of thinking about it and I was talking to my neighbor who lives across the street. Um, and I was just like, and I just said that and I was like, damn, it's just so crazy. Like the, you know, how profound some of the thoughts you have when you're in the middle of suffering and, you know, that furnace. Um, yeah. So I wasn't really thinking about, you know, making music at all. Was, these are just these like, thoughts that were coming to me. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about this dream yeah. uh, and the collaboration with Corey Wong, who I love, by the way, he has this uh, new album out called Elevator Music, I think is what it's called. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so good. It's great. Yeah. Um, this dream is so catchy. And I just want to hear, is this more about the dream or is this more about like the dream of, you know, being an artist or is it more about your father? Like what's. Yeah. So I, 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 
I explained it perfectly the other night when I was, we were filming the video for it. And I was trying to like communicate to the director exactly what had happened that made me think of this. So I'm, I'm, I'm sitting or I'm in the basement of my dad's house and he had been diagnosed at this point. He had had, he was having radiation, but he was still in pretty good spirits. But they had him on this drug called dexamethasone, okay. which is what actually they're treating some people with COVID-19 for frighteningly. I mean, I'm, uh, hopefully it works because obviously it's being better than being dead, but um, he was on this drug. It's a steroid and it really just amps you up and it just gets you like, you're ready to mess some stuff up for sure. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so he was on this drug and he was having a really bad reaction to it. We didn't even know he was just crazy. We didn't know if it was the brain tumor or what it was. Yeah. And we're in the basement of his house and he's, you know, this is like weeks or months or whatever. He's like really mean and really trying to like organize everything. And then he'll move stuff to one side of the room. And then the other, what we didn't realize is he was actually in psychosis. He didn't remember any of this once we got him off the drug, oh, wow. but so we're in the basement of his house and he's having me move stuff to one side of the room and then to the other side. And, and he's, and he's really mad and he's, you know, he can't, he can't really express what he's trying to say because the tumor was blocking his speech uh, area of his brain. And I'm, all I'm thinking is I just want to go home. I want to be with my daughter and I don't want to deal with this anymore. And, and I remember like I had this thought that, you know, you have these dreams of people that are like gone and when you're, and you, when you wake up from the dream, all you want to do is be back in that dream so you can experience them. It doesn't have to be that they've died, but it's like it could be someone that, you know, has moved on to a different point in life or, or could be someone that's died. And when you wake up out of that dream where you're with them, you just think, I just wish I could be back with them. And I realized in that moment that this was the dream right now, this surreal, bizarre, horrible, beautiful experience that I was ha having was the dream. And when he's gone, that I'll just wish I could be back in that basement moving shit from one side of the room to the other, whatever, you know, and having yeah. a, the, you know, conversation as good or bad as it was, I just wish I could have been there. And that's kind of how I wrote that song. Do you feel like this, this uh, album is kind of like living that dream without being asleep? That sounds really deep. Yeah. I think it's like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, I, you know, I was, you know, I'm, I was just trying to gather all the pieces from what had happened from the previous year and then, you know, try and make something beautiful from it. And uh, I want to hear more what it was like creating this album during a time where we're all forced to slow down and to really take our time. Um, and, you know, for me, I've had more time to think think about or process certain emotions and things that I didn't process last year or the year before because, you know, it was normal life. But I want to hear from a creative standpoint did that affect your process at all? I mean, it was nice to be able to focus, you know, I think, especially in the beginning of this, my wife has asthma, you know, we have a little baby. Yeah. There's a lot kind of going, you know, she has a very uh, elderly grandmother who, you know, we spend, we try and spend time with, we try and help uh, as we can. And so we were like pretty locked down. Like I haven't seen a lot of my friends, you know, indoors in a long, long time uh, at this point. So it was nice because I was just working on music. You know, every day I'd go down to the basement, work, work, work. Um, and there was really no distraction. So um, for me, like I said before the interview, it's like this is kind of normal life. And um, there's all sorts of memes about producers and stuff. It's like in 2019, <laughs> it's a picture of them at a computer. In 2020, it was like the exact same picture of them. I'm a little bit like that. I like never liked leaving my house anyways. When I tour, it's great you know, I'll go, I'll travel, I'll be all over. When I'm home, I'm kind of like, you know, I like to just 
kind of do my thing. And that's nice, I mean, to still be kind of familiar, because I think to some it's been a shock, who aren't freelancing or who aren't in front of their computer producing or whatnot. Yeah, and if you have a little kid in your house, I mean, most of my friends, I mean, it's like a blessing and a curse. It's like, yeah, it's just wild, you know, it's like life and craziness all the time. I think it probably beats just sitting in your house by yourself, but I could probably take that for about four days. <laughs> right. And um, so your daughter is, she's not quite one yet, is she or is she? Uh, she's actually almost two she's like a year and something i'm so bad at the i don't know how many months she is but she's gonna be two in january oh, that's so cool um so what's that been like raising her and you know being able to i mean i'm sure she's been around this new music here so have you picked yeah i mean she loves music she loves my music she loves uh the baja men who let the dogs out um <laughs> she loves beastie boys hello nasty I'm getting her on some good stuff, uh, but uh, I mean, she loves music. It's fun to watch someone hear music for the first time and what they like and what they don't like. It's awesome. I want to hear some of your inspirations for this album. I saw you did a James Taylor cover not too long ago on your Instagram, and mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of that. So talk more about the inspirations behind this album in particular musically and uh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm always so bad with remembering these things. Uh, so at the moment, I can't think of all of them. But I know that, like, for instance, how many times, like, Bleachers was a big inspiration for me. Like, I love Bleachers. I think Jack Antonoff's amazing. And mm -hmm. so he was a big inspiration. Uh, you know, I definitely did try and channel some acoustic things, uh, especially on, like, the title track, like, Seed of Joy. That what I was kind of thinking about people like, you know, early Ray LaMontagne or you know, James Taylor, or um, I'm trying to think who else I was uh, referencing, uh, like the Grateful Dead a little bit, because um, I had Brian Fallon play guitar on that one. And that was like, he like hit me back and was like, I re he really wanted to go for like a Grateful Dead kind of sound and part. And I just thought he did such an amazing, uh, such an amazing job. God, I can't, yeah, I can't wait for people to hear it. And um, speaking of acoustic tracks, uh good times yeah. oh yeah 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 so good and i i was thinking about this on the on the drive here um you recently celebrated the 10-year anniversary of your song how bad we need each other and mm -hmm. it was used in samsung's 2020 campaign um you know in, in regards to the pandemic in regards to the pandemic and connecting with people i almost feel like good times would be a good like follow-up commercial for them Come on, Please, I love this, it. I'm like, <laughs> Please, get them on, if they let's get them on this. the phone. We got to get these people to <laughs> this. Second time I love around. It. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's crazy yeah. because most of the songs I did write, you know, and a lot of the songs I did write last year, and they are uh, kind of specifically about that moment in my life, but Good Time is actually a pretty old song that I just never really got to releasing or recording. Um, and yeah, it's weird how much it kind of fit in that in that vibe and that feeling. Um, but yeah, I, I really like that one too. And I, I, I would say as that was one of the last songs I recorded and I would say as I got towards the end of making the record, I felt like I was actually like onto what I'm going to do next, which I don't really know exactly what it's going to be, but I've got a feeling that it's going to kind of sound a little bit more like that just because I really like that music. It's so simple. Yeah. Really simple and easy to relate to, of course. Um, what are some other collaborations that you that you took into account for this album? I know you've, we've got Corey Wong on the, uh, this dream, but any other collaborations that you you know came across that have have added? Yeah, else? I mean the the collaboration with Brian Fallon from Gaslight Anthem playing guitar on Seed of Joy that was super sick. 
um, uh, you know, I, I kind of made a lot of music and I was struggling to find the right mixer for it. Um, one guy that just crushed uh, a song on the record, he did uh, This Dream is my buddy Alonzo uh, Vargas. Um, he's an amazing mixer. And then the guy that ended up mixing a lot of the album is a guy that I've worked with for a long time, uh, Michael Brower, who has mixed everything from John Mayer to Coldplay to Rolling Stones. And so Michael was kind of my kind of uh kind of seal the deal on like the sound of the album it, he really helped me get it from like i really like this to it's done um that was kind of the main thing and then my buddy scott Malvahill played bass on some of it scott's uh. a really great artist as well as uh i mean he you know he's played for a lot of people i don't even i think his i think his credits are pretty long he's like such a crazy musician so working with him was cool and then um i'm trying to think uh my buddy Brett Vargason played drums. Um, he's incredible. And then uh, this other guy, Amir Usman, played a little bit. And so it was, and then my buddy actually, it was pretty cool. I got to work with my friend Jake Sinclair, who's a really big producer. He's done a lot of the Panic at the Disco stuff, um, as well as, uh, yeah, there, he's just made a lot of really big records. And so we, we actually got to, we were kind of like sending voice notes back and forth. So I'd play him a song on my phone. And then he would hum back like, okay, make the kick drum like this. Uh, 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 and then, he, you know, he would really, uh, he would, he would really kind of tell me like, I think it should be like this. And then I would fight with them like on one or two. Uh, and I would like do it my way and then I would not like it. And then I would do it his way and it would be awesome. So we have this really great kind of sarcastic, uh, uh, hilarious relationship. Um, but he's super talented. We'll speak more to to the process of collaboration for you and what you've learned over the years as a songwriter artist that you could even recommend as advice for somebody that is either used to writing on their own or producing music on their own and they've started to incorporate other people into the process or they want to learn how to how to um, be better at that process of collaborating with somebody listening to what they what their ideas are versus their own and just having a balance. So to speak. Yeah, it's funny. My buddy was teaching a class on songwriting yesterday at some Zoom thing. He asked me what advice I would give to songwriters. I don't know. I mean, my thing that popped in my head was like, be suspicious of your good ideas and be undeterred by your bad ones. You know, um, I think a lot of times we we either think we're totally genius or totally uh horrible and i think both of those you know are, are uh somewhat unproductive but i think that the real uh success of doing what we do is just to continue to do it and always be getting better you know i try to live outside of like a fixed mindset that you're either good or bad at something uh and that you can basically you know in a lot of ways learn how to do a lot of things well you know, I might not be able to ever be in the NBA. It doesn't, it's not looking like that's going to be a possibility in my life. Uh, but as far as, you know, most other skills, I've kind of built my life um, for the most part on like just kind of learning how to do a lot of things. And, you know, there's different philosophies about strengths and accentuating those. And, but, um, but yeah, I try to, I try to think that like the best work that I'm going to do is ahead of me. And, uh, you know, with time and dedication, you can really learn how to like master a lot of things. I love that. And something that you just said reminded me of a line in one of your songs that you put, out, I think it was last year that I wanted to ask about the song nineties. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So the there's a line in there, and forgive me if I get this wrong. Uh, the best, You're fine. the best is not behind me, is what it is. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Talk about that line where that came from, because I I just want to know if if that has to do with more of what people generically think about the '90s, or if it's just a thought that you had when you were living in that area era. Excuse me. I think it's like I think I think that I I think. Uh, hmm. I mean, like the '90s for me are like this, you know, sweet spot. I was pretty young. I don't really remember. I don't know exactly the math on that. I was probably like six. Probably started around, you know, four or five years old, something like that, until I was whatever, you know, thirteen or twelve. Maybe it was the end of the '90s. Um, and uh, I think it's more about that idea of that moment in your, you know, those moments in your life where you're, you're, you're a passenger. And if you're fortunate, you know, you're a passenger on a, on a, on a, at least a decent ride, even if you don't realize how bad it is or whatever. It's like yeah. your mind kind of connects the dots for you in a way where everything's kind of magical to some extent. Um, not that that was totally my experience, uh, nonetheless, but um, I think the idea is that you get to this point in your life and you kind of wake up and you're like, whoa, did it all just kind of pass by me? That moment where your parents are together and you're, you know, your grandparents are alive, maybe, and there's just a lot of really good things in your life, and you almost don't even realize it. And uh, so I think that idea is that, you know, it's in that chorus is that this, the narrator, my, who is, I guess, me. So my friend, uh, Ben Rector, was very uh, adamant about me not changing this lyric, but I can't remember, I think we changed it. So the, but the original lyric was, and I, 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 that's probably the truest sentiment to the song is how I originally wrote it, is the best ain't behind me, but it might be. So I guess the idea is that you're, you, this is an optimistic uh, sentimentality. It's like you're, you're, you're optimistic, but there's, you know, there is, there is this voice in the back of your head that's kind of saying like, look, unless I win the lottery or something, I can probably pass the best days of my life. Aside from that song, I do want to ask about a little bit of an older one there. And it was on your first record, if, if I'm not wrong, uh, Jericho. Oh, right. I love the melody of that, the like that just airy, symphonic. Talk about that song. That, so that's my that's me and one of my one of my best friends. I've got a list of people that I call my best friends. I've never confirmed if they think I'm their best friend, but they're my best friends for sure. Yeah. Um, that's me and one of my best friends, Josh Silverberg, who's a producer, writer. Um, and uh, I honestly, I don't really. I mean, it was so long ago at this point. I don't remember exactly how we wrote it. I think I had just gotten married or was about, I think I had maybe just gotten married. And I think, uh-huh. you know, when you kind of transition at that moment, you know, the, to those kinds of moments in your life or really any kind of huge moment, if it's a kid, whatever it is, if it's death, you know, there is like a surrender that life always is asking us to make, uh, you know, to enter the next phase. You know, you have to, you have to lay down, your arms, uh, you have to <laughs> surrender to what's coming next. And that song was really about that, you know, cause you can't, I mean, you can't live, you, there's just paradigms that change when you get married or when you have a kid. And if you don't surrender to them, you'll always, you'll be fighting them and you won't get to enjoy them for what they are. You won't get to experience what they have for you. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I'm having to remind myself that when things get back to normal and there is a regular pace, to still be conscious and aware yeah. and present because it's it's very easy to just let that all be set aside. Totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that so many things in life, I mean, like, you know, this album is really, you know, there was a death happening 
as I was making it. And, you know, I do think that like my brother and I both, you know, surrendered pretty early on to what the experience was and what it was going to be. And looking back on it, I'm really thankful that we did. And if even death itself can have, you know, um, can offer you a gift in kind of looking at it straight in the face and not kind of denying it, then like I would assume everything else in life can have, you know, that a giving quality to it. Well, I'm excited for people to hear this album, Seed of Joy, comes out November 13th on Thank Friday. You. Uh, lastly, I want to hear about um, your hobby of grilling. I read about oh, yeah. that that's something that you have been uh, doing as a pastime aside from music. So talk about that. What have you been whipping up? Um, I love grilling. Yeah. Uh, I like grilling uh, steaks mostly. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a great company in Germany uh, called the Beefer. It's a machine called the Beefer. And uh, I, um, my wife got me a, a, a little one for my uh, birthday. And it's a 1,500-degree oven. Um and I, uh, I ended up connecting with the company. And so I'm now I'm using their XL oven. And so there's going to be a lot of videos coming to that. There's our, there was one I did recently, but I love grilling. It's really fun. It's like, I don't even know if I'm that good at it or anything, but it's just fun to like do that and have people over. And, uh, I also like smoking meats. Um, okay. I'm, I'm in, I'm into all that stuff. It's, it's fun pastime. Like while you're in the studio for sure. Love it. And uh, has, was that something, a part of your childhood with cooking with the family? Was that something, you know, growing up? In yeah, I, I was going to say, yeah, my family is pretty, um, my family's pretty artistically bent. I mean, even like, even my cousin that designed this staircase and this railing, like, uh, you know, he's like a second or third cousin. He's like an incredible, uh, there's so many artists in my family, whether that be metalwork or my aunt is like a, a head chef at a, like a really amazing restaurant in Buffalo. And um, there are many like classical piano players. My uncle was like, he would write crossword puzzles for the New York Times. Like there's a lot of kind of this type of uh, brain in our family. And so my grandma was an unbelievable Lebanese uh, cook. She came from Lebanon when she was a kid. So food is definitely a very big part of our uh of our upbringing um, and like really good uh, authentic dishes. That's awesome. You should, you should write a book like a coffee table book that talks about these different stories of your relatives and these different. I love that. That's a great idea. I think that that would be really cool. That's a really amazing idea. For sure. Um, lastly, I want to talk about, cause I almost forgot the music video of wild world is about to come out. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. Talk about that yep. song yep. and what you wanted to uh, relay in that video. Because from what I've seen, it's a very, like, bird's eye. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's it's actually been pretty difficult to do videos how, exactly how you would think you'd want to do them right now. Just because, you know, tough to get indoors. There's just a lot of things, you know, especially when you're an independent artist and you don't have, you know, you can't flex as big of a budget as you want. Um, and so with that video or with that song in general, I mean, uh, you know, I wrote that song about just bringing a kid into the world and how crazy it seemed at the time, which now looking back didn't, didn't seem that crazy. Um, and, uh, but that video is really just kind of expansive, like beautiful shots. And um, I'm trying to think of what the, uh, we kind of wanted it to look like, a, <laughs> we kind of wanted it to look like a, 
like a you know high contrast like Calvin Klein like uh, <laughs> uh, it's kind of a lame uh, reference but uh, but something that uh, you know almost looked like a bunch of really cool photographs and my buddy Sean Hagwell and I worked on it together and he's amazing so um, yeah well it's a good song um, it's on the album as well and people can follow you on on Instagram and then your website of course definitely thank you so much hey absolutely um and yeah thanks for being on the show i really appreciate it i and can't wait to see it thank you mark thanks Libby. and see you see ya. bye